Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Clem, alongside my co-host, Savannah Dean, who will be joining us shortly. And joining us is a special guest host today, Mr. Jack O'Hara, my friend, frenemy, rival, kid rock impersonator, you, you name it. This is my man, Jack, over here, big Yankees and unfortunately Cowboys fan. Jack, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I mean, I, when you texted me yesterday, I mean, I told you I was waiting for that text for like almost three or four months. It's been a long time since you invited me back on. I don't know what took you so long. And uh, we've been talking here for about 15, 20 minutes or so. Savannah's not on yet. And you still had the nerve to announce her first. As She's actually to- my co-host. You, my friend, are the guest. I mean, I'm still in your corner booth uh, podcast group. Because chat. you're the like, most reliable fill-in I have will ever have. Just, just your backup, waiting, waiting to save the day. And yeah. yet, here I am saving the day. You're welcome. Oh my God, you get so petty about these things. You're welcome. So where's Savannah? At? Um, she will be on in about five minutes, as I am currently texting. <laughs> she just texted me. That should be ready in about five ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that that's worthy of a first introduction. Listen, you know what? She has to deal with me and Kevin on a weekly basis. I think she deserves a little credit there. Mm. Well, well, I'll 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 be the judge of that. We'll we'll see right. we'll, half hour or so. All right, we'll save the Antonio Brown news for a little bit. Let's start off. Actually, I want to know this. That we I have not known who this guy was. This Gardner guy on the Yankees. Grander, what, how do you pronounce the guy's name? Brett Gardner. No, the dude who got Yankee. No, the the oh, pitcher. Oh, Vermont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vermont. Yeah. So, for our got fans who are not like baseball listeners, or or maybe like you know, don't or we have a lot of Phillies fans who listen. We have a couple of Diamondbacks fans who listen. Whatever. The Yankees fan, the non-Yankees fans, tell us the story about this guy because basically he's out and there's some allegations or something. I don't even know what the hell's going on. So from what I've heard before we get into the whole spiel is that Domingo Herman, who's the wins leader right now for the Yankees, 17 or 18 wins, was tremendous in Luis Severino's absence. Severino just made his first start on Tuesday since being out the entire year, last pitched in October in the playoffs against Boston last year. Domingo Herman apparently, I think he either hit or slapped his girlfriend in public last week. Yikes. I don't know where at, but it was definitely in public to the point where obviously she confessed and now he's on administrative leave and he's, it was announced today that he's done for the year. Won't pitch another game in the regular season, won't pitch another game this postseason, and it stings for the Yankees. I don't think this is a make or break for the Yankees, 
but 17, 18 wins this year for a guy who last year was all over the place. I remember in his first big league start in May, I think it was against the Indians, was throwing a no-hitter through six innings before they pulled him due to a pitch count. It was awesome. And then after that, got shelled, gave up four home runs a game, would go three, four innings, giving up six or seven earned runs. was just all over the place last year. Comes back this year with Luis Severino down and out the entire year with a shoulder injury, wins yeah. 18 games, and now – the whole mantra for this year's Yankee team is next man up because everybody's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Like there's like this voodoo doll that's being just struck upon this Yankee roster. It goes from Judge to Stanton to Sanchez, Gregorius, Andahar, Torres was out for about ten days. Edwin Encarnacion has been with the team for three months and he's already been on the IL twice. And then you got guys like Gio Urshela stepping up. Like who the hell is Gio Urshela? Dude, the fact is I'm a sports writer who actually tries to cover baseball as much as possible, and I didn't know who this Gourmet guy was until the story came out this morning. So basically, that's insane. Also, you guys just clinched last night, so at that point, that should just be a congratulations to What? Congratulate me. Jack, congratulations. You still lost the bet to me, but your Yankees are in the playoffs. My Diamondbacks are hanging on by the skin of their teeth for a chance. So, you know what? This is an – we'll see how it develops. I mean, so – I don't know. Where do the Yankees go from here, though? Do they Are they going to cut bait with this guy, or what's the deal? I don't think they can cut bait with him. I th- obviously, he's done. He's on administrative leave. Yeah. But until everything's solved, mm-hmm. like, yes, it doesn't look good right now. But it's, like, again, innocent until proven guilty to me. Like, it doesn't look good right now, but at the same time, like, Okay, he can't play because of this happening. It'll look bad if the Yankees let him play. Yeah. On the other hand, the guy won you 17, 18 games this year was mm-hmm. phenomenal. He was going to be a piggyback starter in the postseason for CC Sabathia. Because he's old as hell. You can't. Yeah, well, he's retiring, so this is his yeah. retirement party. Oh, my uh, God. What a hell of a way to go out, right? Um, yeah, just made his final start at Yankee Stadium the other night, got a huge ovation, his mom, kids, wife, all in the stands, but Domingo Herman, you got to give him another chance, again, innocent until proven guilty, but at the yeah. same time, this, I don't think this hurts the Yankees all that much, because again, he did win 17 or 18 games, I don't know the exact number, but he probably wasn't going to start in the playoffs, uh-huh. just because of, you know, like Severino was awesome. Severino's right? back, and basically that was his spot. Yeah, I, I see it. And Severino, two, past two years, awesome Yankees ace. Mm-hmm. Co- season rolls around, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. He gave up eight runs and three innings against Boston in the most vital game of the entire run last year. And with Herman never pitching a postseason game in his life, you don't know if that was going to translate over. So I'd rather trust a guy like CeCe Sabathia, who although has like a five ERA this year, you could trust him in a postseason game. He's been there a gajillion times. Piggyback Herman for two or three innings before you get to Ottavino and Britton and Chapman. But you don't really have that bridge anymore. So you kind of – who are you going to piggyback? Jay Happ, who's been abysmal all year long? The only reason I know the name is because I know he got beans in the dome with a a, a line drive a couple years ago. The only reason I know who he is. Wow. you really don't know your info on the Yankees whatsoever. This is well, just- hey, listen, I, I follow the National League 1 and the National League West, too. So basically, I am on the exact opposite coast and league of what the Yankees play in. Basically, I was supposed, the only time I was going to have a con, I was supposed to go to Yankees Diamondbacks this year, but of course, and I was supposed to meet you there, actually. But uh, that. I, I had vacation, so. Mm. 
right. And with that, we welcome my other co-host, Miss Savannah Dean. Savannah, what's up? How you doing? Good. How are you? We're good. All right. So Savannah's now here. So now we can talk a little football. You're not going to introduce me? Savannah, this is Hi, Jack. Savannah, my Jack. Friend, this is my friend of me. <laughs> this is my friend of me on Belly Up. He tries to make us like uh, Hubs and Carabas from Barstool. I honestly don't even know the origin of it. I just blurted it out, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, I guess we're going to have to roll. Well, no, Mike ran with it. That's why he thinks we're like rivals or something like that. But like, we're actually pretty good friends. If Honestly, with Belly Up stuff, there's about three people I text that aren't on my podcast. So, you know, you have, you have Kevin, Mark, and Savannah, and then you have the three people I text outside of that, which is Zach Mack, Jack, and Mike. So, basically, he's one of the, my closest friends here at Belly Up. But, yeah, no, apparently Mike thinks we're frenemies, even though we just like to yell at each other because Jack likes to challenge me a lot. Yeah, you, you make one bet and everything just goes south. I don't. Well, ask Mark how those bets always turn out. You can't beat me if you bet me on the radio, man. I'm like 3-0 and at this point. <laughs> All right, I guarantee you before I go off the air today on this episode, we're going to make one more bet, and I will come out victorious. You, you see. Just All right. See. All right. Oh, Savannah, by the way, for past reference, uh, Kevin bet me that the Celtics were going the, um, to win the NBA Finals. That was one down. Mark bet me that the the Warriors were going to win. I said any team but the Warriors. And Jack bet my Diamondbacks would not win 75 games. They have 80 wins. So – I am three and zero on bets this year, and I mean, with that, was just dude, going strong in the NBA Finals. Yeah, well, that was just Kevin being Kevin. This is before he started taking this seriously, though. All right, so Savannah, we uh, just got the news about I don't know what a half hour ago that AB has been cut by the um, New England Patriots. Uh, Savannah, I'll let you lead on this. What were your thoughts when you first got the update? I didn't actually expect them, the Patriots to cut him, but um, with all the news coming out, I'm kind of glad that they did. I'm sure Belichick was just like, I'm tired of you and your annoying ass getting all this attention. Like, you need to leave. Well, it, you're right. Basically, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't actually like have the Patriot way sprinkled on it. I mean, to me, I was kind of like – and Jack brought this point in the – we were just talking pre-show – he said, like, why have him play one game? Like, the timing feels weird to me. I almost think, Jack, I'm thinking of the Jacks fan. I'm thinking about this right now. What if there's something else about to come out and the Patriots found out about it first and they're trying to cut bait before it gets worse? Yeah, I feel like an idiot now discussing it beforehand. Like, we were, we were just thinking, like, yeah, nothing news come out. Probably just they want to get ahead of the curve before it gets worse. Because, again, kind of like the Domingo Herman situation with the Yankees, it's not looking good for A.B. Multiple women have come out and saying this. And with in the Patriots, Belichick, Kraft, like, they obviously will get ahead and figure out something before everybody else does. Obviously, the NFL knows something we don't yet, and it's going to yeah. come out within the next well, this couple more, hours. Well, the thing they time. already showed the text messages between him and his friends talking about that girl calling her broke bitch, like threatening her kids. Like that would be like drawing the line just in general, even if yeah, they knew something else was going to come out. They didn't even know something else was coming out. How could you keep someone like that on your team after all that attention and that? Which is which I completely agree with. I was waiting for them to cut him. I honestly, with me with the text messages, <laughs> I looked at them for about thirty seconds. I'm like, dude, this guy is just a loser, man. Like, get the get the hell out of here. Like, I don't think he. Do you think AB plays again? I don't I, think. So. 
Oh, I don't think so. Not at all. Obviously, obviously this is a situation where AB's reputation and his attitude is costing him everything because he is one of the top five most valuable wide receivers in the game of football. At least talent-wise. in the, Okay, so I've been covering football or at least watching it since I was nine years old. So I've seen T.O. I saw the end of Jerry Rice. I saw Randy Moss in his prime. I saw Torrey Holt, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Odell, you name it. I have, he, Antonio Brown maybe one of the top five most talented receivers I've seen in my life. And all of it, poof, gone. Yeah. You know why? I, I don't I don't mess with scumbags. I don't. Like he he clearly is slime. And I will call him that because clearly the text messages are are showing a side of him that the cameras that he has on don't show it. And I don't know what happened. and I keep referring back to this whole thing. Like I keep hearing I heard in the herd uh, a friend of Mike Tomlin's told Colin Cowherd that basically the second this dude's getting paid, you're gonna see the monster come out. And basically, the Steelers covered up so much of the craziness around Antonio Brown. I I just like it. It all makes sense now because we saw it was almost like he snapped in Week 16, and now basically his his head's been unraveling for a, almost a year. And I, the ESPN showed a graphic. It was like everything has happened in the last six months. I saw you know frostbite, lawsuit, getting cut, helmet dispute threatening retirement i was like oh my god like i would have like cut this guy and like told him and blackballed him month years months ago yeah well he made it seem like he made it seem like it was just the steelers organization that had the problem because obviously bell had problems too so then when he left so uh honestly me and i'm sure a lot of other people assumed that he wasn't going to cause those type of problems when he went to another team it made it seem like it was just the steelers and when he got out he would be this fine normal person no matter how much money he got Oh, yeah, I, I see that point, too. The thing is, Le'Veon Bell's problems were more or less the fact that, like, he's a top-five running back, and the Steelers were treating him like an expendable asset. And with running backs, their shelf life is so short that especially when they're seeing guys like Gurley get paid, they're like, I want to get paid, too. I'm done. The, mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers screwed themselves when they tried to franchise franchise tag him for a third straight year. That's just disrespectful. Because right. that's, that's, like, they're trying to see how much they – like, I understand, like – Let's take an example. Like, uh, Jack, let's say um, that the Cowboys never extended Zeke. And they said, you know what, Zeke, we're going to drop a franchise bomber on you. And, two, and like, all right, and actually, that won't work because he had two years left. I don't know. Let's say down the road, my Eagles have Miles Sanders. Let's say he becomes this, like, borderline Saquon Barkley-esque talent. Like, he's a top five running back. He's leading the league in rushing. He's, like, the next shady in Philadelphia. But – the Philly, the Eagles are worried about injuries or off fields or something, so they drop a franchise tag on him. In reputation and professional business relationships, you basically can do this once. Right, yeah. In the NFL, it's basically – if you do it more than once, you are asking for more trouble. Like, they got away with it once with Clowney in Houston, and they ended up trading him anyway. So basically, I look at this whole situation. The Steelers have their own problems. <laughs> I look at this more and more. Antonio Brown is a nutcase, and now, now that Pittsburgh, now that he's he was away, he's now away from Pittsburgh, and the shelter that Pittsburgh would put over all these headlines, everything's just filtering out. So I do not think this is the last thing we're going to hear about Antonio Brown. I feel like in a year or so we're going to hear people releasing things about Antonio Brown we wouldn't even think would happen because of what has like transpired in the last like. 
what, five months all this crap has been happening? Mm-hmm. I so, mean, I agree with you, but when he was with Pittsburgh, just look at that. Bell, Brown, Roethlisberger, they all had their issues. And when yeah, they, well, we, they were, we, like, we're trying, like, Big Ben definitely had his uh, issues. Um, the only clean character was pretty much basically Juju. Because he's, Jack, I think Juju's your age. I mean, you talk about me like I'm 12. You're 21, right? We're like a year apart, yeah. I'm 24. <laughs> yeah. I am old, dude. Me and Mark are old as shit. No, but anyways, like like I was saying, Roethlisberger, Bell, Brown, when they were a tight unit and they were going, the Steelers were a tough team to beat. Obviously, the Patriots were always number one, but the Steelers were right there with them. When everything started to fall apart, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell getting franchise tagged three years yeah. in a row. That kind of put him in a sour note. And mm. then, of course, the Roethlisberger and Brown issues came about. As soon as they fell apart, that's when Antonio Brown fell apart and everything started to come out and everything started to unravel. Yeah. I, I just this, I, I'm like, like, I'm waiting for like, a, like, I'm just thinking to myself, there can't be more, but it's Antonio Brown. So there's always more. Yeah. There's always something else worse. It's it, And I really hope it, there's not, but... I don't know. This is insane to me. All right. We have to talk some positive notes on football because last night was actually the coming out party of the American hero himself, Gardner Minshew. This guy was balling out last night against the Tennessee Titans defense, who is a very good, it's a very good, solid defense. Young, athletic, quick defense. They can rush the passer very well. But I watched the game last night. I was stuck in traffic basically the entire way home for the entire game until the fourth quarter, and I was, I had to, I watched Minshew just basically shred that secondary, and this is a guy who's a sixth-round draft pick, and, you know, Gardner Mania is taking over, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, I like this. Dude's got, like, the porn star stash. He wears the headbands. He looks like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Like, I, I'm all for this, and my boy Fournette was negative yardage until he broke out that 69 yarder. If I'm just so I'm so mad, what's his face didn't let him score. Um, uh, who's their who's their like their multi million dollar safety? Oh, Kevin Byard. I'm so bad, mad Byard didn't just let him score, man. The game was over. I mean, you talk about Gardner, and then you have. Derek Henry with a big score at the end. What about the defense? Marcus Mariota was in Saxonville last night. Nine sacks. Oh Calais Campbell, Kane's up. That dude was like, he's 30, he's like 35 years old. And everyone's like, oh, Saxonville's gone. Josh Allen, their number, their number one pick, looking phenomenal last night with two and a half sacks, one of them being a strip sack of Mariota. I mean, I was blown away last night. By Jack. I said I said, I put in the corner booth text chat last night. I said, listen, my overreaction: Jacksonville may win the South. Like they were one bad call and a two point conversion away from beating Houston. Am I wrong here? No, you're not wrong. It's just to me, Houston again looks strong this year. I, I I mean I know they fell short in that Week One game against Breeze, but they looked awesome all around. Yeah, and it's hard to keep up with Breeze. I still think that the Texans have the South. Jackson, I mean, Jacksonville did look really good. They had nine sacks total, but I think that's still a little bit of a stretch to just say that they have the South now after the one 
game well, because <laughs> Tennessee Titans, I mean, they looked phenomenal against the Browns, and then, I mean. But you just you just pretty much proved your own point there. It's the Browns. They barely beat the third string. <laughs> string that game on Monday night was awful. I couldn't even watch it. I was just like, this is this is excruciating. I literally, like, I think I turned off Madden and started playing GTA. I mean, I turned off the NFL and started playing GTA or, like, Madden. Because I'm like, this is embarrassing. I came to watch this. Both teams look so bad. And the Bills are the team in New York now. <laughs> Josh <laughs> Allen, yo, if, if, Jack, I don't know if you remember this, but how much Mark hates Josh Allen, it's making me smile how much better he is this year. Mark's unholy uh, unholy hatred of Josh Allen is what fuels my love of him. But yeah, no, I just it's it's cracking me up. Like I, I just I mean in the South it's so weird because oh preseason it was like oh it's going to be I I heard. You know, it's it's the Colts division to lose, and you know he's gone. Oh, it's the Houston's division to lose, but then Jacksonville's playing with a great a great. Ba- I mean, I don't know. I mean, Foles is back week eleven. Apparently, that's the timetable. I mean, if Minshew gets them, like you know, f- like you know, five wins, five gets them to about five and five, but he's struggling. He's not doing great. I don't know. They maybe throw Foles back in. With Foles on that roster, regardless of what happens with Jalen Ramsey, pray, hoping he's an eagle by the end of the next week. Um, basically, I I don't I could I could seriously see them taking on Houston because the one thing they have over the one thing they have is the one Houston weakness Houston has. Houston can't block anybody. I mean, they're not as bad offensive line wise as Cleveland, but they're pretty close. And Jacksonville now remembered how to rush the passer. To me, that can make the all, all the difference in the game. Jack, Jack, just remember when your Cowboys offensive line was all injury-prone two years ago and my Eagles were just attacking Dak Prescott all night. You know what that can do to a team. So, yeah. basically, it, it that's what it comes down to. Games are won in the trenches. To me, that division is uh, dumpster fire anyway. <laughs> I, really, I really don't care who comes out of it. They're losing in the first round whether they're the three seed or the four seed. Like I mentioned, like the Houston Texans could go 14 and two and still lose in the first round of the playoffs. They do it every year. They'll get outshot by Mahomes or they'll get beat down by Brady. It just happens. I mean, Jacksonville to me, it's kind of like the domino effect. Wentz goes down, Foles takes over, Eagles win the Super Bowl. And even last year, took them into the second round of the postseason. Comes over this year, Foles gets hurt. So now Gardner's stepping up and he's been awesome to this point. But we'll yeah. see. Well, they got – you know what, to me, I, I just – I think that Tennessee's got to get rid of Mariota. All yeah, right. put in Ryan Tannehill. Okay, first <laughs> off, I'm, I'm a, I play, like – I play in flag leagues, and I'm, I'm all about, like, you know, I still play football and stuff. I'm a quarterback. That's my natural – that's my position. As a amateur-level quarterback, his reads are horrible. It's bad. He's missing – okay, so there was an out route. He completed the pass. I think it was to um, Sharp, Taraji Sharp. Basically, Sharp's running a square out route, which is about 10 yards, and you bank a hard a hard cut towards the sideline. You usually run out of the slot. If he threw it just off the cut, like Heath released that ball before Sharp's head was turned, Sharp might have scored a touchdown, but he waits until Sharp has banked hard, and A.J. Boye is starting to close, and then he throws the ball. I'm like... 
what it, the decision making. He's sitting in the pocket. He's got like ten minutes of time because Jacksonville was like only going hard on certain snaps, or at least the lineman was holding up for uh, Tennessee. He's just making bad reads, and he then you know the, he, that every other snap he's got Jacksonville breathing down his neck. I'm just like, oh my god, just get rid of the ball. Stop holding it. You're not going to make a play on this. Like like Jacksonville is an overwhelming city to play in. Right? I know. It, Joke in Saxonville. I know. In the rain, well, the rain last night just destroyed that offense because basically it was Derrick Henry's show to loot to win. But I, I just, you know, at least Tannehill doesn't get rattled like Mariota does. And you know, it's so funny. I watched. I loved Mariota in college, and I just watched this. I'm like, oh my god, where? What? What happened? It's just like the second he lost to Kelly, his brain got fried. All right. Next up on the docket, it's time to crack a six-pack. Unfortunately, I drank my beer already, so. Ah, uh, you couldn't wait, huh? Dude, I've been, I had one slug of it at the brewery when I was going to pick those up about a half hour ago, and I loved it. I had to drink it now. But we're going to start first with the Fox game of the week. It's number – I wrote this down. Like number 11, Michigan versus number 13, Wisconsin. I think I got the numbers right. Um, I told Jack my pick before the game. I have Wisconsin. Their defense basically leads the nation in every freaking category. And Michigan's almost lost to Army. And Army does one thing well. They run the football because it's all option. Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the country. Or arguably top three. So I, I can't pick against Wisconsin here. I just feel like this is Michigan was overrated to start the season anyway. And Savannah, I know, as an Ohio State fan, is going to rip them a new one anyway. But <laughs> I, I got I got Wisconsin here. I cannot, in good conscience, pick Michigan. I just never trust John Harbaugh anyway. I got Wisconsin just because they're at home. Both 2-0 okay. going in this one. I think it was their linebacker, Zach Bond, who said that they're looking for revenge in this one. So they're mm-hmm. fired up for this one. And again, Michigan 2-0, but they haven't played their best offense that we've seen. You mentioned they almost lost to Army. I was and, watching that game praying so hard for Michigan to lose. Yeah, to me, Wisconsin at home against a not 100% Michigan offense, and they're mm-hmm. fired up to go. I, I, I don't see Michigan coming out of the next year with the three and zero record. Oh no, I don't either. Savannah, what do you think? Um, I have Wisconsin. I think Jonathan Taylor is just going to be too much for them to contain. Um, two 100 yard rushing games already, like an uncountable amount of touchdowns. I think Wisconsin's just going to take this, whether they were at home or not. I guess we're all in agreement there. I mean, Michigan watch Michigan like smokes them, and they were all just sitting here on Monday like, what the hell? Well, I can never pick. Michigan. I just can't well, ever do that. So it's like, like me no matter try- who they play. It's like me trying to pick Florida State essentially. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh next up, Auburn versus Texas AM. Now Texas AM did not look horrible against Clemson. But then again, Clemson's defense is not what it used to be. I, I gotta take Auburn here. They're the third best team and they're the fourth best team in that conference, but they're still a good team. The SEC is actually having a weird year this year where they have, like, four good teams in that conference. I think – oh, you're not done? Oh, no, I was going to say, because you look, you look so confused at me just now, Jack, and I was saying 
you know, you got number one, number one, one A be LSU, uh, Alabama. Then you have uh, Georgia, and then you know Auburn. Basically, I, I don't know. I just Auburn. I just think Auburn's like a notch above Texas A&M. I think A&M really hasn't been relevant since Johnny Manziel, and they just haven't really won any big games. Now, to me, Auburn's number seven for a reason. It's going to be a tough game on the road for them. Texas A&M's off to a hot start, but Auburn's going to prove once again how resilient they are. I think Auburn wins. I'm going to say Auburn wins by one score. One okay. touchdown here. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I just, you know, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be one of those typical SEC games where you're just you're looking at this like, oh, my God, it's going to come out of the last second. It's going to be on, like, Sports Center top ten plays. Somebody has a pick six. With like 30 seconds to go, or somebody like throws a miracle tip pass. It's a typical SEC game when like the game's actually close. I just it's gonna be a close one. And this next one, actually, before we go, let's actually pick this. Savannah, what did you think of the game? By the way, I'm sorry, I almost jumped ahead. No, it's okay. You know, I don't follow a lot of these teams, so I just have to, you know, ride the horse and pick Auburn. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, last but not least, this is our belly up game of the week as our co-host in college football head, Kevin Langley. If I didn't plug that would probably come down to Connecticut and smack me. Basically go on, go on the website. There's a link, predict the score and the winner, and you will get a belly up t-shirt for free. It's a great thing. Check it out. It's the Bucks game of the week. And it is Notre Dame versus Georgia. I have Georgia by at least two touchdowns, <laughs> but then again, I'm a Miami fan. I hate Notre Dame with a burning passion, but at the same time, every time I see Notre Dame being relevant, I just remember when they were the number three team in the country, they walked into Hard Rock Stadium and we stomped them by 40, or when they walked in the national title with Manti Teo and his imaginary girlfriend and lost by 40. So basically, or last year when they lost by 30. To me, Notre Dame is just that team. They're relevant every year, and then they get smoked when it matters most. I have Georgia just stomping on their neck early. So here's where it gets interesting, Jared. Here, yes, sir. You at the beginning of the show, we were going to make a bet before the show was over, and this is going to yeah. be it. I got Notre Dame winning by a field goal. Okay. Here's why. You just mentioned it. They're relevant again. They're not, again, not the best team they've ever had. But again, they're resilient. They've always been a tough team. And against, who are they playing? Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech uh, hasn't looked that great this year either. And I know they, they've been decent, but Georgia Tech's bad this year because it's a new head coach, new offense. They finally are not running that stupid triple option anymore. They're actually into a pro spread, which just looks wrong. <laughs> I mean, as an ACC guy, seeing Georgia Tech not running that weird ass handoff pitch system, it just as a as an ACC fan and former football player, it's just, it just doesn't look right, man. Like, they're supposed to have one receiver on the field and a bunch of fullbacks. But they're switching over from to a new system, so Georgia Tech's going to be a problem. Like, so they're bad. I don't know. I just think – I think Notre Dame has a – yeah, Ian Book looks good, but I just – I'm not a believer. They have to – now, if they beat Georgia, then I will happily bow down and say, you know what? Notre Dame's ready to rock and roll. They beat a legit team finally. I got them by three. You got them losing by two touchdowns at least. What if it's in? What if it's in between? I mean, what are we betting here? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Savannah, we can use your input on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I think the I think this Georgia team is just like way too stacked. They've looked absolutely amazing. I mean, I know that like the Irish are always like relevant and stuff like that, but I just don't think they're gonna be able to be able to keep up with Georgia. They have too many injuries. The Bulldogs are just too stacked. Well, I guess I'm just gonna have to prove both of you wrong. Just tune in. All right, we'll be waiting. By three, you know, if you're just gonna disrespect me on your show all the time, Jared, I'm just gonna. <laughs> Jack, you said that I called your listeners fat when I came on last time. Yeah, and you did. You disrespect me. I did my not. Life. You disrespect me when you come on. You didn't invite me on for four months. You know what? Wow. You need to have here. You dig? I'm out. All right. He actually does have to leave. He actually does have to leave, folks. That is actually him not being. He's just being over dramatic as usual. See, this is us. This is us. Uh, the rivalry storyline that we have. Storyline writing myself off. Yeah, Mike. Mike's basically texting Jack like, "Make this dramatic. Make this dramatic." Okay. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the show, guys. All right. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Yeah. So basically, Jack has to go because unfortunately, in college, you have classes. Um, next up, Savannah, we're switching over to pro football right now. Alrighty. So first game, we have Ravens at Chiefs. Now, this is interesting to me because I really want to see what Lamar Jackson can do in a really hostile environment like Arrowhead. But as you and me know, the Chiefs can't play defense. Right. I would seriously bet the over until the cows came home on this game because I just think it's going to be scoring like crazy. I think I think Baltimore is going to be able to pull it out. I mean, my really? mom's over here, a Raiders fan, like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Like, I hate the Chiefs. And I'm sitting here like, go Baltimore. I, I, I mean, I, 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 get, I would love to see that happen just because, you know, every – like, I don't know what, what is it about – I love Mahomes. I love Andy Reid. But there's something about Kansas City itself that just drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter they beat us two years ago. I can't – I don't know. I it just <laughs> – well, listen to this comparison. So Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Lamar Jackson has uh, basically 72 percentage completion percentage, 145.2 passer rating, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, these numbers are almost the same. 71.4 completion percentage, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 136.3 passer rating. I mean, this game's just going to be an like this game makes me think of the Rams Chiefs games last year when they scored what like 110 points or something in the game. I don't think it's going to be that high. But I think it's going to be a shootout just like that game was. Here's one thing I want to uh, – here's one issue I want to press to you. The Chiefs have played legit defenses or at least semi-legit. The Raiders' defense is not bad. It's above average, like a C-plus, C-minus defense. And <laughs> they, the, the, then they played you know, Jacksonville, who actually has a legit defense. Mm-hmm. And they still lit them up. Basic. Well, then again, they did lose Nick Foles. That would destroy anybody's morale for at least one game. Um. Baltimore played a team that I don't think ever is as bad as everyone says they are in Arizona. I think I'll eat that. Kyler Murray was going to be a bus comparison that I made in August. I'm going to eat that one. But basically, I don't know. I just I want to pick Baltimore, but I think it's going to be Kansas City. But it'll be close enough where you know you're going to be like on the edge of your seat until the end of the game, like oh my god, they're going to pull this out. I'm calling like 42, 30, 42, 38. Ravens are driving, and, Lam- and Lamar Jackson sails a pass and gets picked off by Tyron Matthews. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just like their offenses are, like, almost the same. But, like, 
Baltimore's defense is just like a little bit better. So I feel like that's just what's going to give them the edge. I feel like I they're would, probably going to win. I think it's going to be close. I think they might be win by four points at I, like the most. But regardless of who we pick, as I pick the Chiefs, she picks the Ravens. Bet the damn over until the, I, I don't like take the points. Don't for any reason. If it if it if it's like a twenty four seventeen game on Sunday night, I'm gonna be like, why did I watch this? I mean, I don't think the Chiefs defense is that good or Lamar Jackson's that bad. So at worst case, this game might be just a lot of scoring by the Ravens and the Chiefs just playing catch up. But I, I don't know. It, it we. This is like one of the. This is like that first prove it game on their schedule for both teams, really. Because right. Yeah, I agree. I think this week three is like that. Like a lot of some teams have already had those games, but there's a lot of teams that are like two and zero, one zero and one, who have either played like crap one game, one another. Now they got to now they got to step up. And speaking of step up games, we have Rams at Browns. Now. <laughs> On the Tuesday show, I said the Browns are going to finish 7-9 at best. I am sticking hard on that take because they can't block anybody. I think if I lined up, I might actually be able to squeak out at least one sack if I played an entire game against them. That's how bad that offensive line is. Also, I did put Deanne in high school, but still, I'm 220 pounds and 5'11". I'm not – I'm the size of a safety. I'm not going to get a lot of sacks. Basically – The Browns are playing for respect, and they barely snuck out a win against the Jets, who basically was missing Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell at a certain point, Chris Herndon, Kane's up, and um, Stan Darnold, who was out with mono. Then Trevor Simeon got hurt, and Luke – I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it Flank? Falk? What is his name? Falk. 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 That's a weird way to pronounce Falk. Spell Falk. Basically (laughs) – he was in by the end of the game, and the jet and and they were only down by like in at one point it was sixteen to three with the Jets driving and if they score or even just get a field goal it's only a two it's it's a very short margin and there was a lot of time left I made this point to Kevin and and I'm like where's the blowout this team was supposed to win ten games go to the playoffs shock the Patriots and I'm like. Ah, uh, they can't. Like even their offensive receivers just look like there's no timing down. Like I don't even think Jarvis Landry was relevant at all in that game. So Mm-mm, not at all. I had I was listening to you know as Savannah as you know now by being a part of the show for about a month and every listener through the now 59 episodes we've done or I think 59 yeah 59 um. I listened to Colin Coward. He's basically the reason I got into sports radio when I was a little kid because I heard him on ESPN Radio when I was younger. Anyway, he said this morning with Joy Taylor, he goes, I think the Browns might squeak it out because it's in Cleveland. It's the biggest game of the year. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, who the heck is going to block Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler? Are you well, like, Okay, so this is the Matthew? first Cleveland game, first, first Sunday night game in Cleveland since 2008. So I really think that they're like the fans are gonna be like like freaking out. And Aaron Donald doesn't have a sack yet this season, and Miles Garrett has five already. So I mean, I think they can pull it out, pull it out. I think they can do it. So you you could see this upset. I mean, I am willing yeah. to be convinced here because you did convince me last two weeks ago to pick the Packers over the Vikings, and then Woo-hoo. basically <laughs> then you yelled at me over text message. I can't change my pick even though the game hadn't kicked off yet. 
But I'm yeah, just... that's not fair. You can't go on your cast and literally say that you think the Vikings are going to win and then tell me a few days later that the Packers are going to win just because I have a lot of good points. <laughs> also, I thought of I slept on it and I woke up next morning. I'm like, wait, why the hell am I picking the, the Vikings? Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. Oh, yeah, he's awful. <laughs> Basically, if they didn't have Dalvin Cook, they'd probably be a five and eleven team. That team is just off. That team, oh, he yeah. basically has won them to. He basically has kept them relevant in the game against you guys, and all and won them the game against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But it's my show; I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull that card. Uh, basically, I I just all right. Aaron Donald has no sacks this year. And I'm going to let you in a little secret. It's because the Panthers and Saints both double teamed the living daylights out of him. I don't care. He was double teamed he, all the time last year. That can't even be an excuse. He was double teamed. Yeah, but Carolina's offensive line. Carolina and New Orleans' offensive lines are light years better than Cleveland's. Now, I would love to be proved wrong here, but I feel like Donald is going to have a field day in that backfield. And also, Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews are probably going to at least get on him as well. I mean, that defense isn't great, but it's good enough to get pressure on Baker. Mm hmm. And you know they're going to just stick Marcus Peters in Odell's grill the entire game. I think Odell has an advantage over Peters, though. I oh, feel speed, like. Oh, speed wise, yeah. But yeah. Peters also loves overly aggressive quarterbacks, and Baker Mayfield says he feels dangerous. I, I don't know. I could see that defense <laughs> is just. That defense just feels like it's kind of built to beat a Cleveland. Like a lot of good outside weapons, but their offensive line is shaky overly aggressive quarterback. It just feels like a team that's built to lose to the Rams. But a team like Dallas or a team like Philly or a team like Green Bay, which has a more like concert like a, a more intelligent quarterback, doesn't take dumb risks, can run the football, can be balanced, doesn't take doesn't like focus on one receiver, they can beat a LA as LA still lost to Philly with Nick Foles in the lineup and two and no starting running back. And they almost lost to Dallas in the playoffs. It wasn't for Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson going off. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, didn't you, the last time the Packers played the Rams, didn't the Packers win? No, the Rams won. It's because we fumbled it. Oh, yeah. It was a close game, though. It was super close, yes. Exactly. So, it's lucky breaks that squeaked them out. I think it, the Rams, to me, are the big mirage in this league. The Rams were like kind of the next man up in the playoffs last year, and I I picked them sparingly. And the more and more I watch Seattle, the more and more I wish I could like abridge my pick, because in the back of my head I'm just thinking I'm like, okay, maybe it's Seattle and 49ers at the end of this year, because I'm not seeing the same dangerous team with LA. It. To me, it looks almost like this This team just looks like a shot fighter. And teams that usually lose the Super Bowl miss the playoffs the year after. Right. I think New England's the exception to the rule, but that's just New England. <laughs> right, yeah, they don't count. <laughs> yeah. But basically, I, don't, I just don't see the same, like, New Orleans loses Breeze and, are, and couldn't even move the football when they had him in the damn game. Right. But, but yet, they could not score until the second quarter. I said to my, I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game. I just got back from, I just had to, uh, I just got back, I don't know, I was running errands or something. I was watching the game in my, in my house. And I'm like, I look over, my parents both walk in. I said to my mom, I'm like, it's almost halftime. It's six to three. 
This is the most boring game I've ever watched in weeks. And then Jared Goff throws a bomb to Brandon Cooks, but it doesn't matter. They they almost didn't score. So I I, I still pick St. Louis. I mean, not St. Louis. L.A., but it's going to be a 10-point game. I think you are right. It being the first time since 2008, it's a big deal for Cleveland. But I think that momentum is only going to carry them so far through the game. Yeah, I can agree. I feel like Baker literally has trouble, like, hitting his – he just, like, doesn't have the exact accuracy that he needs to be able to, like – even, like, even though they were winning against the Jets, he literally overthrew a wide-open Odell that literally would have been a, like, nice touchdown. I mean, you have to hit that whether you're winning or not. So I just feel like that's going to be their one weakness. But, I, I mean, I think they can pull it out. I think – I, I say the Browns are going to win. Okay. I think later in the season, you'll see his connection with the receivers get better. But mm. his his timing with him is just not great. So I, just, I, I think LA's got this. And the last one of the six-pack, and Jack was giving me crap for this, but I, I made the case why I picked Lions-Eagles. It's because the Eagles are missing their two best weapons, besides Zach Ertz. And the Lions went out and beat the Chargers. And everyone said— How does this happen? <laughs> Because I picked them. The Lions are only good when I picked them. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm kidding. No, but I, I, I knew I, – the one thing about the Lions is Matt Patricia is their head coach. His style in New England, when the defense was actually semi-decent, was make the game ugly and slow the opposing team down. What did they do against LA Chargers? They made the game ugly. They slowed it down. And – they let their playmakers make plays. Darius Slay, Carrion Johnson, Matthew Stafford. So this game is interesting to me because Carson Wentz on, on national television was atrocious in the first half. Mm-hmm. But in the second half, basically turned into the death dealer to the Falcons. And the only reason the Falcons won that game is because Jim Schwartz didn't double up on Julio Jones on that, on that screen. Basically... Carson Wentz did everything in his power to win that game, and they still and they ended up losing. And he basically dropped a game winner into Aguilar's hands, and it bounced off of them. And Zach Ertz was an inch short. There were three separate times where Philadelphia could have just put that game away. They didn't. Falcons won. It's all right. But that game showed me that Carson Wentz has elite level leadership for at at that position. And I said this to Kevin. There's about seven guys on that raw in this league. One of them being your boy AA Ron who can say, oh, my two best receivers are down. Oh, we can't move the damn ball. Oh, I've thrown two picks. Screw it. We're still going to win this game and drive down the field and basically go the distance with a very good Atlanta team who basically I think was asleep the entire day against Minnesota because that was not the same Atlanta team I watched the next week. Mm-mm, not at all. I was so shocked. Yeah, I, I just – you know what? I just think they got they got smacked in the mouth early by a, long, a couple long runs by Dalvin Cook and it just broke their momentum. Yeah. Football is such a momentum sport. And I think Atlanta is easily going to win that division now that Drew Brees is out to Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't, and the Panthers and the Buccaneers are both hot garbage. Cam Newton's not even going to play this week. Uh, and, and everyone knows how much I really think of the sucking ears. But basically, <laughs> and I'll say that on my radio show because, you know, 
the Buccaneers, I love Bruce Arians. His offense is amazing. But Jameis Winston is the biggest waste of physical talent for lack of football IQ I've ever seen. And apparently he's a genius. Like, his grades were great. But I'm like, I don't see on the field. He threw two pick sixes against a average San Francisco 49ers defense. And basically, I mean, I, I mean, average, uh, maybe above average, but like they, like they have a couple playmakers, but like their defense is not like all pro, like you know, top five. It's like a, maybe a top fifteen, top high top tens defense. And basically, James Winston was a chuck and pick sixes left and right. And then the only reason they didn't they didn't lose to the Panthers is because, uh. Rob Marinelli tried to get cute on that last play and tried to run a fake Philly special instead of just giving it to Cam and letting him lean over the, the goal line. So, anyway, long story short, in this game, Philadelphia, uh, the Lions always try to make games ugly against Philly, but I just think Philadelphia is going to be so pissed off after Sunday night. And I saw Carson Wentz swear on national television. That's terrifying. <laughs> I, I, I I fear for the safety of that line secondary. I is think, he okay? Like, is he, like, I mean, I just feel he's like healthy. he's not mobile mobile and stuff like he, like, should be if he's fully healthy. I just feel like he's continuously hurt. I mean, I still think that the Eagles are going to win, yeah. but I just feel like he looks hurt all the time. Well, Deion right Jones blasted him in the rib cage. Basically, uh-huh. when you're seeing linebackers in the league hit you square in the ribs. The fact that his ribs weren't broken is a miracle. He might have had a bruise or two on there, but I think also, like, they put him in concussion protocol, and basically he just got his bell rung. It wasn't even – and I think he he also ripped the concussion protocol after the game. I would never seen Carson Wentz angry in an interview before. Like, basically he's this aw shucks South Dakota, North Dakota kid, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's really freaking pissed. And I just – I think the Eagles are going to run this one out because one, I think Miles Miles Sanders is going to have a monster game because the Lions can't stop the run. No, they cannot. cannot. And I've been saying since April, this kid, there's a reason that this kid was still getting touches when Saquon Barkley was at Penn State. Basically, he's a four and a half star recruit with just as much explosiveness as Barkley, but he's a little smaller. Oof, you're and our our Sega Whiteside may have been the highest second round rated second round pick at receiver, and you guys know what Nelson Aguilar can do. It's I just think Philadelphia is going to unload on Detroit. And also, by the way, watch out for pot. I'm, apparently, the rumors around it's it's Philadelphia is very much in the mix for Jalen Ramsey. I have my fingers crossed. Last time I went, want him too, but I don't think we're in the mix for him, honestly. Yeah, I saw you guys were out on him. I think the, it doesn't fit the Packers' mo, though. I mean, you guys are more about get low key free agents and build through the draft, yeah. which is great. It's which is great because your defense is young and athletic, and you're not going to have to pay anybody for like ten years. But basically, <laughs> Philadelphia's one problem is Ronald Darby's a good number two corner. He's not a good number one corner. He just he's a little too overly aggressive. You, the, both times he got burned last week, it was because Matt Ryan rolled out, which he's got this forty yard fat dad. And the second one was basically Calvin Ridley, maybe one of the fastest human beings in the NFL, and just shot right by him. But 
don't know. I think uh, if you put if, if Philly gets Ramsey, that defense just gets knocked up three notches because then you have Maddox still in the slot, and you move Darby over to the number two slot, and you put Jalen Ramsey in that secondary with Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, that's a, a scary defense. Um, but yeah, no, I have Philly. Savannah, what do you think of this game? Yeah, no, I think Philly's going to – I think that – okay, if you're going to look at, like, Matt Stafford, like, I think he's a really talented quarterback, but it just kind of depends. He doesn't ever have a game where he's, like, just okay. It's rather he's, like, complete trash or he just, like, literally looks phenomenal. And it just kind of depends on how he comes out near the beginning. They're more, they're way more of a momentum team than a lot are – the rest of the teams are in the NFL. So I feel like if Philly can come out and their defense can just, like, trash him, then I think they're going to be able to – win this game with ease. I I want Philly to win, but, you know, might be a little bit biased. <laughs> they're going to win next week when we play Green Bay. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. No, you're not. And it's at Lambeau, so. Yeah, but it's September. Okay. Lam- Lambeau's whole, like, the whole problem with Lambeau is the second it gets November and it gets cold as all hell. It gets windy as all hell. Yeah, I wouldn't want my Eagles in Lambeau. In December, because Philadelphia is cold as hell, basically the same climate as Connecticut, but Lambeau is on its own different level. That's that's like north, that's like northern, that's like that's that's, that's some nasty wet winter weather. But I don't know. We'll see how how good this defense is because I think Jeffrey should be back by week by by next Thursday. Jackson's questionable because basically Jackson tried to play this week, which says a lot about how much he wants to be here, which, I, I mean, I just – I love seeing that when guys are basically shouldn't even be playing for two weeks. I'm like, can I play this week? But, I don't know. I think next week – next Thursday is going to be a re- probably the best Thursday night football game of the year. I, think I mean, gonna- the, the – yeah, the last few have just been complete trash. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers in September is, like, amazing. Like, he's just really good. So, I, I, I mean – You guys are just going to lose. <laughs> That's really big J journalism right there, Savannah. You should be proud of yourself. <laughs> and speaking of the Lions, ladies and gents, let's kick that smooth jazz. So Calvin Johnson, one of my favorite all-time players, Megatron, e- e- even as a Packers fan, Savannah, you got to respect the guy. He was one of the greatest. I do, oh, of course. And he, it was reported in an interview with SI, and I actually have the interview up here just to make sure I don't screw up the facts on this one. Basically... He used to smoke a – he used to roll up a joint after every game. And you guys, for those who don't know, I am very pro-legalization of pot for the, you know, medicinal reasons aside. Tax the living hell out of it. Look at Colorado. Basically, they have a state surplus, one of the few states in the country that does. But enough politics. Basically, he took a shot at the opioid abuse that happens in this league. He – and this was his way around it. He preferred cannabis, and he knew how to get around the drug tests. And to me, I'm all for this. Calvin, your body fell apart. You basically had to retire at 30. Also, the Lions did you dirty. You could have come and played. You could have been – by the way, fun fact, Calvin Johnson was basically about five minutes away from interviewing with Philly. He said, nah, fam, we're going to extend this one out. Calvin, you would have had a Super Bowl ring, bud. <laughs> You would have been like you would have had that ring, and you would have gotten to be a le- play for a legendary organization like the Philadelphia Eagles. But instead, you sat on the bench. Anyway, Megatron basically had to retire at 30. His body was falling apart. He took so many hits. He had so many catches, and a big body receiver like that who takes a lot of shots to the lower body. 
you just can't. But I, I, I see his point though. And as many of you know, opioid addiction is, you know, a big problem in this country, especially where I live in the Northeast. It's a big issue. Calvin Johnson was just trying to find a way around this. He's not hooked on painkillers. And I, I completely agree with this. I think the NFL ruling on the drug ban is the dumbest thing ever. It, you know, it's legal in uh, what, like seven or eight states in this country? And yet it's illegal in the NFL. It, I, you know, it's going to be legal in my state where I hopefully only have to live for another like five or six months. But it's the whole role in the league of this is stupid. The fact that Calvin Johnson was able to get away with this enti- his entire career. I love it. It's a nice little, almost a little subtle F you to Goodell and his little drug policies. I mean, look at Josh Gordon who got busted on these so many times. Yes, it ended up being a good thing because it got him sent away from Cleveland to New England where he was able to get his life together. And the only reason I don't hate New England is because of Josh Gordon. I love Josh Gordon. I love his story. I love the fact that he's, re- he's on his road to redemption. He's sober. He's getting his life together. And he's a dominant receiver again. And I love seeing it. So... But at the same time, he also—he's a weird situation though, because his—if you, Savannah, have you ever heard his story about Josh Gordon? Yeah. yeah. You've heard how he used to sell, he used to roll in college, he used to sell drugs everywhere. Mm-hmm. He, used, he used to never be sober for practices or games in Cleveland, and you can make the jokes all you want. That's what I like playing in Cleveland. There are a lot. That's what Browns do to good players, but. I think that's more or less just a drug problem. But if you look at what, like, look at Calvin Johnson, the guy was the best receiver of my, of my, Savannah, I don't even know how old are you? 23. 23. So you're, you're about my age. He was the greatest generation of, he was the greatest wide receiver of our childhood. And some, he was part of that, like, class of, like, Deshaun Jackson, Wes Welker, you know, Megatron, Larry Fitzgerald, Andre Johnson, like, a generation of receivers that is great. But when you look at that generation, it's Calvin Johnson, and then it's like 30 feet of crap, and then you have Fitz, D-Jax, you know, Andre Johnson, and all these guys. And I look at this, I'm just saying to myself, even Randy Moss to an extent, because he was around for a little bit, but, you know, it, it's, I think this is where the league really needs to clean, to get with the times. And really, the league is always so reactive, but, and but this chase to be proactive. The opioid problem, the opioid, opioid crisis is a problem. And if the most popular sports league in the entire damn country allows players to smoke cannabis, then it sh- then hopefully the country will follow suit. And hopefully it'll help decrease the opioid academic. I mean, in some places down south where everything's just backwards anyway, it's, it may never happen, but at least every normal thinking state. But... That's that's what I got today, Samani. You got anything else? Um, I don't think the NFL is gonna like like legalize the type of type of thing until like all of the states are, just because I mean there's like twenty some states that have it like recreational or I mean medical and a couple that have it like recreational but i don't and until like every state becomes recreational like it's just like with like regular jobs like they still even if it's like legal they still drug test you because they don't want you to like not that it's performance enhancing but they still don't want you to be like under the influence while you're playing so yeah. it's just like like if you test positive the league's never gonna know if you're doing it during practice right before practice during a game like after or like before a game so i don't think they're ever gonna like get with the times 
you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I would hope that they would, but I don't think they ever will. I just not, I don't think they're going to want to do that. I could see a middle ground where they drop the suspensions, where you yeah. might get fined. <clears throat> Instead of, like, these ridiculous, like, I see why Taylor Lewan got suspended for four games. Dude had an HGH in his body. Like, come on, dude. Like, or he had some performance enhancing drug in his body. But mm-hmm. basically, like, when you see a guy get suspended for basically just lighting up the joint, and it clearly is so effective because Calvin Johnson got away with it for his entire career. Right. So, I don't know. I It's just to me, it's, it's a situation the NFL should fix, but there's so many other problems. I think right now they're dealing with, like, the, the domestic violence issue, and I think this whole thing with Antonio Brown, as long as, like, they just make sure he um, – not he doesn't make sure he gets another job, but, like, make sure he's almost, like, kind of blacklisted until this is taken care of or if he's yeah. a whatever. It's, it's just a positive step. The league has a, a lot of issues they have to deal with. I think the drugs is just one issue. They could probably, like, lean a little bit in the right direction to get themselves some goodwill, but that's just how I feel. But – I think they need a commissioner. No, you're fine. I think they need a new commissioner before they, like, kind of start getting to, like, anywhere like that. I don't think Roger Goodell, like, does what he should. Like, he always comes out and says, like, oh, we're going to work on this and we're going to get this fixed. And then, like, nothing happens. They suspend people for, you know, uh, taking drugs that they need to have kids for four games. But, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't yeah, do what they suspend right. they they for right. four games for basically taking for Viagra. And, uh, or at least, like, right. a little- yeah, like, I just think we need a new commissioner before we do anything else, before the league takes any steps in the right direction. You know, it's so funny. I actually listened to his wife do, do the interview on game day morning, probably, like, two days ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was she, – she was phenomenal. She was great. She was talking about, like, this this interview with all the female owners of the league. I think it was, like, four oh, – that. Yeah, that was good. Great interview. Great thing. And I think the thing just – actually, the whole thing just aired, actually, about two hours ago, Eastern time. And – I just was. She's great. She's a great lady. She's probably. Well, the problem is her husband just has a lack of execution ability. Either that, or it's somebody in the league office who handles that. I, I don't. know. I just think Commissioner Goodell has so has been around for so long, and I think his contract. He'll probably be. I think he's maybe got another five years left. I don't see him being the commissioner when, when I turn thirty. But because you know it, the commissioner's cyclical. Like you know when we were like like young kids, it was still Paul Tagliabue. And before that, I don't even know the guy's name. And you could even go back to the days of Pete Rozelle. So it, it, it's interesting. I think Adele, yes, he is has the issue with this. But, I mean, when it, as far as commissioners go, he's a lot better than Adam Silver, who basically bends over to and bends over and kneels to the basic uh, any player in the NBA. But yeah. I think also social media has a lot of problems with that as well. So the NFL could be in a lot worse state than it is. I think it's mostly it's just punishments. But that could be fixed with the CBA. I think also the it's it's a it's a hand in hand problem with this, with the uh, the players union and the NFL wanting this and giving up that that makes the issue. But alrighty, but that about wraps it up today, folks. Uh, a nice solid hour episode. I'm gonna go and relax and enjoy my Friday and ice my toes that I broke possibly. Um, Savannah, have a great weekend. Enjoy your cruise. She'll be back. With her new segment, by the way, ladies and germs, look out for that. She's brainstorming that as we speak. But I'm Jared. That's Savannah. We are out. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.